Comics Action Show is created by Jupiter Broadcasting. It's sponsored by Ting. Go to last.ting.com to save off your first device or plan. And DigitalOcean. Go to digitalocean.com and use the promo code Here's the Thing, all one word like you're slurring it, and spin up your own Linux rig for free. And Linux Academy. Go to linuxacademy.com slash unplugged and invest in your mind while saving some money. Welcome to Linux Action Show, episode 451. My name is Chris. My name is Noah. Hello, Noah, and uh, happy 2017 still to you. I kind of feel like it's still time to celebrate. In fact, we're going to celebrate the heck out of it. This is our actual official predictions episode. We're going to tell you what's coming up in 2017. So if you don't want to, if you just want to go to an island and not worry about the news for the rest of the year, this is the only show you have to watch. This actual episode, we're just going to tell you everything that's going to happen for the rest of the year. But that's coming up later on in the show. First, we're going to give you our picks. And then in the news, hold on, Noah, in the news, we're going to tell you about the fate of Ubuntu Phone. Super dramatic pause, intentionally inserted here. And then later on, Endless says they have a new PC for the American market. KDE Neon has a surprise for you. NVIDIA has something that I'm super excited about. And a very popular website has some interesting trends regarding Linux. We've got our feedback, but Noah, I kind of teased it, but do you have any inclination? Do you have perhaps any idea or insight into what we have first? We have a, the best pick ever. Okay. First of all, you can't say that that sub pick is the best pick ever because it's like a secondary <laughs> pick. You had one job here, Noah. You had one job. Okay. You had Noah. And, and, up, and but, I but first, Noah. Valiantly. Damn it, Noah, you were ruining we it. We got the pick. Oh, there it is, everybody. Okay, there it is. Okay, now the show the show must go on. So, yeah, this is really cool. Noah, you found this one, and I think I saw it in the subreddit, too. This is just kind of amazing. My watch runs Linux. No, not my watch, the guy that created this post. Uh, in 2015, the author found himself very lucky. He was uh, gifted with a free LG watch Urbane. We could all be uh, so lucky. He said it's super snazzy, but uh, he never really had any intention of running Android on it, it sounded like. And so he wanted to experiment. And he said, having tried an Ubuntu and on their devices like the Nexus 9, he was going to try to install GNU slash Linux. It's an amazing piece of hardware, and it has some actual really nice graphics and touchscreen. In fact, he compares it to the iPhone 1, and uh, he says it's... It's water-resistant, unlike the iPhone. It's got a quad-core processor. The iPhone had a single core back in the day. Uh, 512 megabytes of RAM, 4 gigabytes of storage. That's more than he really needed. And so he set off to put Linux on this thing. Isn't this cool? Come on. Would you do this? Be honest. I, I would. I, I'll be very honest with you. If I was, wouldn't. Not because I don't think it's extremely cool, <gasps> but because, like, I, the problem with me is, the problem with me is, like, I don't even know how to begin with stuff like this. Like, I would be like, well, there's no USB port to boot off of, so I guess I can't install Linux. That's where I would get stuck. No, like, right I'm, there, I'm assuming like, oh, he's figuring out all the hard work. Like, you just have to install oh, image. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure, yeah. But I wouldn't know how to do that. I gave, you, I I gave you the Watch R, and you returned it. You're like, yeah, thanks for letting I me try it. this. Have it back. You yeah. didn't. You didn't. Yeah. Wearable's not for you, huh? No. No. Yeah. Not at all. I got to tell you what, too. Same here. Pebble, two different uh, Android wares, and the Apple mm -hmm. Watch. And you know mm -hmm. what? I've, I've, I've don't wear any of them. I've given them to different Jupiter Broadcasting members now. I just given. Them, yeah. I don't want any of it. I don't like notifications. 
I don't want more <laughs> notifications. So you if can I can say that again, we all know that. Do we? Do we all know that? You know that. I don't know if we they all, all know, know that. Chris doesn't like notifications. <laughs> okay, all right. Uh, yeah. So he actually made it look pretty cool. I actually think now this might be something that would be worth doing. It's I guess it's called Asteroid OS, and it's one hundred percent Wayland. That's kind of cool. He has a. Yeah, he actually makes a he makes a point to say that he thinks it's funny that his watch is running Wayland before his desktop is and System D. Of course, his desktop runs, but his watch runs Wayland and System D, which is <laughs> that's so great. This is a super fun post too, uh, and he uh, he he lists like his uh, PS list here and all this kind of stuff that you guys can find in the show notes. He says it looks like a watch. It smells like a watch, but it runs like a normal computer. Wayland, System D, Paul Kit, D Bus. And and uh, he says it's even friendly to hacking. It's even it's even uh, he says running QT, which is uh, kind of cool. My next wow. project, he's going to try to run GTK Plus on the watch. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. And uh, if you make an image, uh, maybe uh, uh, let me know. But wow, that is actually a pretty cool runs Linux wearables. They're crazy right now at CES. The live stream and I, when you were at, so uh, for those of you that don't watch the live stream, which would be 99% of you, uh, Noah had a dead machine. He, wa- he walked into a studio with a dead Linux box this morning, and he, this is the second machine he set up and able to do the show. While Noah was doing all of that, the live stream and I were going over like some of the different CES stuff, and wearables mm-hmm. were huge there. And I, I don't think any of them are going to sell, but... I, what I do love is whenever a hardware category takes off, whatever it is, I, it whatever it is, even when it's just like hyper, maybe it's going to take off, but who knows? Linux is always getting hacked on there. It's, it's just I was just reading a, a news article about the PlayStation 4 running Linux with Vulkan support. Linux always ends up mm-hmm. on these devices. I don't know if wearables are going to stick around, but if they do, you're going to almost always find somebody trying to get Linux running on there. Speaking of running Linux, you could run Linux on your DigitalOcean droplet. Boom! Boom! DigitalOcean.com and use our promo code. Here's the thing. Just put it all together. It's one word, like you're slurring it, and you'll get a $10 credit. First, you create your account. Then once you're set up, you apply that to your account. Here's the thing, and you get that $10 credit. Now, you could try out their $5 rig. That's 512 megabytes of RAM. And then with that, with really, they say, they say one core, and I would say that's like one extremely fast core. I don't, I don't know what the actual clock speed is, but it, to me, seems extremely fast, especially like when installing updates. You combine that with the fact that they're all SSDs, so things just fly. And for a lot of distributions, like the Ubuntu's and the Debian's, they run local repositories over their LAN, so things really fly. And you can choose from FreeBSD, too, if you want FreeBSD. They have CentOS, CoreOS, which is now, I guess, ContainerOS, uh, and Debian, and obviously Ubuntu as well. You can create multiple machines or just one if it's your first time ever creating a, a, a server or if it's the 10th time, the 100th time, the millionth time. They have a great interface, a straightforward API. Just use our promo code, here's the thing, and get a $10 credit. And also, for those of you that are already signed up at DigitalOcean, they have monitoring coming pretty soon. You can do early access. I remember when they launched block storage. Now they're doing monitoring with early access. You can get metrics, performance. You get alerts if there's problems on the, on like one droplet or the entire infrastructure. It's coming in 2017, so probably pretty soon. DigitalOcean.com products slash monitoring, where you can sign up. Did you hear about this, Noah? I did. You should sign up. Let me know how it goes. I don't have. Yeah. I, I feel like you have way more droplets than I do, so you're probably a better test. 
Yeah, the uh, the problem is I'm also I'm the I'm I'm the lowest common denominator of Linux user, right? Like I I tend to only embrace and use things that I can use like everywhere that are universal. So that makes sense. Right I feel that. like if you ended up though, yeah. here's what I was thinking: if you ended up with like a few client systems running on DigitalOcean, it'd be nice to get a heads up. But like if oh, I yeah. run a lot of CPU usage or something like that, or I guess like oh, yeah. if you got a yeah. website yeah. or yep. Or maybe even your own Nextcloud instance. Who knows? DigitalOcean.com. Use our promo code. Here's the thing. And a big thank you to DigitalOcean for sponsoring the Linux Action Show. Here's the thing. All one word. So we have double the picks. Lots of things to spotlight. I want to start with a new one that you're like super, 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 super skeptical on, and I think this is great. No, no, no. no. I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm like, huh? Interesting. Let's see what it's about. All right. Can I? Can I? I wouldn't call it super. Skeptical. Can I present you a case? Okay. FS Lint. It's a utility to find and clean various forms of Lint on a file system. And uh, I have run into this lint. issue now. That they're, uh -huh. they're being cute, yeah, with the Lint thing. But I, uh, this is a real problem. I used to just nuke and pave like every, every new release, really. <laughs> I would just kind of – every distro I was hopping to, I would nuke and pave. But now, now I have like several systems that are getting to be two, three, even four years old. Uh, mm -hmm. Well, no, I guess none four yet. But pretty close to that. And so they start to have a lot of crap on them, a lot of cruft and things like that. And so FS Lint mm -hmm. is a utility to go through and clean some of that up. Now, Noah, I know you don't ever have this problem, but I often end up with a home directory or a downloads directory, especially like if I'm doing Usenet and torrents on this machine a lot. Oh, with, yeah. With a sure. ton of duplicate files. This will go through yeah. whatever, whichever area in the file system you specify. It mm -hmm. will go through and scan all of it for duplicate files. Also, it can get lists of installed packages, bad names, bad symlinks on your system that maybe you've moved things and the symlinks no longer work. Mm -hmm. Directories in an area that perhaps maybe are just totally empty and you don't need to have around anymore. Redundant white space and file names. It's all kinds of stuff. So I did this, and it looks like, it looks like I actually have quite a bit of duplicates just in my downloads directory. Uh, I, have, I have two of the same user error files, which are fairly large. I have two of the same mm -hmm. ISOs, which are decently large, uh, and uh, several of the same Wine files, interestingly enough. So if I, if I went the, through, I could, I could actually clear up some space. This is one of those programs that, like, it, it, it's, it, it's, it's one of those things that, like, it wouldn't be the first thing I would go to, but certainly the next time that I have uh, that I, I – because here's what you run into, right? You run into uh, uh, your, your disk is running out of space. Or with SSDs now, if you fill them up close to capacity, even if you're not necessarily low on space, you're just using a majority of the capacity, the SSD slows down, right? And so you, yeah, you especially you with ButterFS. So from time to time, I'm trying to, trying to pull – what? No. Yeah, no, when ButterFS gets full, it slows down. That is a big thing. I'm sure it does, but why would you be using ButterFS? Well, because it supports trim. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, all right. So, uh, it, it, I'm just saying, this is for me, for my systems that I've had around for a while, I, uh, I could see this being cool. All right, so you're the reason why you're nonplussed about this because you want to talk about your original app pick, which I decided to demote to a secondary pick. And so Noah is all butthurt about it. I'm sorry, people don't like it when I say that. Noah disagrees with my executive decision to make this a secondary pick. And before I before I make it a, a secondary pick, hold on, hold on, let me make a disclaimer. I don't think that's true. <laughs> I, I love this next application. I have used it since it has literally been created. But the reason why I wanted to demote it to a secondary pick is for two reasons. Number one, everybody watching or listening has heard of this before. And number two, that is false. The link you put in the show notes doesn't work. 
So <laughs> the second reason is valid. All right. First is not. So There's ladies and gentlemen, Noah's super pick of the week. Present you with it. Let me present you with the case, Chris. You have email, email everywhere. And yeah. you need a way to manage that email. Uh-huh. And the thing is, everyone in 2017, you know, those of you like yourself, you, you know, really into the cloud, I know that you really prefer the web-based stuff. But some of us really like <laughs> local you know I do not. software-based <laughs> clients. I'm sorry. Software, local-based clients with software so that I can simply tab in. And I'd also like to get Yeah, it's Thunderbird. It's Thunderbird. Like that. It's Thunderbird. And so Thunderbird is a fantastic application that does all of this and is actually one of what I call my four staples, The one of the four applications that I have to have 100% of the time. And I think it is an atrocity of historic proportions that this has never been an epic on the Linux Action Show because it is probably the second or third most useful, most popular applications on Linux. I I agree. It definitely should have been an epic by now. You know, I think the so reason it, why it hasn't is, is because there's not a single soul listening or watching this show that hasn't heard of it before. So why mention okay. it? I could also somebody, we could give a shout out to Vin. There's somebody. There's that might be next week. There's somebody out there that probably is not aware that it is. It can function exactly like Outlook can in an Exchange environment. It can handle calendars, and it can have. You can. You, in fact, we're using it inside of a G Suite environment, and so it's using. Uh, you know, it's taking advantage of all the backend that Google has to offer, and then pulling that in and calendar and contact and sharing and tasks lists and all that stuff. All, all that right, stuff all right, all right. works right inside of Thunderbird, and so yeah, a special. Shout out to my my dark theme. That the, all you have to do is really search dark. I think it's like TD dark theme. Uh, TT dark. deep dark, deep dark. Yeah, that's TT deep dark. Uh, best, in my opinion, the best dark theme for Thunderbird. There's not there. a lot of action in the Thunderbird add-ons, so there's a good chance if you go to the add-on manager today in Thunderbird or in six months, it's going to be the featured add-on. Right. <laughs> uh, also, because it's just that amazing. So now, keep stores. While time. we're both, while we're talking about great Thunderbird add-ons, I definitely want to mention Enigmail, which is I think one of the nicest yeah. open PGP encryption managers for email. And you probably want to mention uh-huh. uh, Lightning, right? Lightning is the so there's two things you need to do to, if you want to integrate with G Suite or Google Calendar or any of that stuff. One is Lightning, and then the other is Provider for Google Calendar. You install those two add-ons, oh. and then it's kind of weird. You go under File New Message, and then that's where you can add a new calendar. It's kind of a, they kind of hide it in a weird place, but hmm. um, but yeah, and then you, then it syncs, and you get I get I get uh, pop-up notifications on all of my alerts. So if I get it on my phone. I can get it on my on my uh, right. on my screen as well. I can yeah. share those calendar events with other people. It's great. Yeah. yeah, it is. It is such a it is such a sweet set of com- uh, tools you can kind of build together. Thunderbird itself is a nice, mm-hmm. solid, reliable mail client. I mm-hmm. definitely am worried about the Mozilla Foundation's commitment to it, but it's in terms of an application, it's one of the best. It's available on lots mm-hmm. of um, platforms, so it's also one of those great great applications to switch somebody to before you switch them to Linux. So if they're still yes. on the Mac or, or on Windows or whatever, you can have them use mm-hmm. Thunderbird. And then six months later or whenever it is, it's time to switch. You just have them use Thunderbird on Linux and they're they're good to go. And it's 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 definitely going to be a recipe for success. I, I also feel like it is a mail client from the 90s. I feel like it's uh, it's from the, to- the era of when I had dial-up modems. And I had to connect to my uh, ISP, and then I would download my mail. I, I'm not saying it's it's a bad email client. I'm just saying not a lot of people are excited about it. And apparently the Mozilla Foundation is 
is even not that excited about it. And it, then the, I have the, a lot it, of trouble using it. I have a lot of trouble just depending on it as a work tool if I feel like the very people making it are not super committed to it. Yeah. Not the developers just, themselves, but the people backing them. There was really not, yeah. I mean, other than you know, updating to so that it still runs on newer systems, there's really not a lot of improvement that needs to be made to it. And also, yeah, we're using agree. at AltaSpeed, we're using it with FastMail, so it, it increases in the FastMail environment perfectly. It does all the con- oh, contacts nice. and calendar and task syncing and all that. So, yeah, great, absolutely great mail client, and we had to give it some attention. Even yeah, if it's only I, a secondary. App. I no, I agree. And you know what else? I think they just had a brand new release, so they're still pushing out new updates. So it's not like it's dead. Mm-hmm. It's not like it's dead. Right. I think it's just, you know, it's one of those things. All right. Amazing. Now, most people would think I probably would have taken. Okay. Yes. It is amazing. It is amazing. Also, there's Sorry. other there's other ways to do email now. Uh, I, I would say this next app pick would probably be the one that should have been more controversial in retrospect. But here it is. Digital Audio Workstation Essentials Collection, a set of plugins that work under Linux. Get excited, everybody. Get hyped. It's finally here. So... <laughs> What is that up? <laughs> so my uh, my dad is really into um, is really into music. So he does a lot. Of, he has he has yeah, two he different is. gospel groups that he goes around. He sings all over the country and stuff, and, and has a lot of fun. And talking to musicians and other people that are in the digital audio workspace, uh, you learn very very quickly that it's really not the DAW that makes or breaks them. It's the VSTs. It's the plugins. It's and I mean, he can tell you he could have an hour long conversation with you about who makes the best VST for a piano and who makes the best VST for an organ. So when I saw that commercial VSTs were available on Linux, it, it does. I mean, that that's I imagine your reaction is probably the reaction that like 90 no, percent of, of the world. I actually personally think it's actually way more badass. I was just channeling channeling, perhaps. Oh. I so, so there's a lot of people. There are a lot of people that are going to go. What's the big deal, right? And and the big deal is this is it's it's almost like it's almost like a DAW is simply just the framework, and then the VSTs are are the real workforce engines. Yeah. So let engines me let me in. just jump in to sort of bridge the gap here. So a DAW mm-hmm. is a it's it's a what a digital audio workstation is. It's a suite of applications like a, like our door, which are mm-hmm. both a recorder and perhaps they can even interface with the mixer themselves. And in real time, in most cases, you can. You can apply these plugins, and these plugins will alter the sound. And they can be very fancy plugins that emulate classic equipment, and or uh, mm-hmm. a compressor. And or these are called too. instruments. Yep, yep, absolutely. These are called VSTs, Virtual Studio Technology. Uh, it's a software interface that integrates software and audio synthesizers. Synthe, synthe, synthesizers. <laughs> yeah, which essentially like effect plugins for your audio application. So if you've ever looked at like uh, um, Audacity and you've gone in there, there's like a compressor plugin. Well, Audacity will also work with VSD plugins. And these will bring in a whole suite of functionality that where this company's entire job is to make this thing sound like this thing. And that's what they mm-hmm. do. And you pay them money for mm-hmm. it because they're the company that spends all of their time making that thing sound like that thing. And so these little plugins mm-hmm. sell for quite a bit of money in some cases. And and they're essential. In what? fact, right now, this show is being processed by one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine real-time VST plugins, depending on which interfaces are being used. So it's a it's a very real part of live production. They uh, they take uh, they'll take like a like a, a Stradivarius violin, which is a very expensive violin made from very specific wood that you can't really get anymore. And what they'll do is they'll take a sample of you know they'll play a note to C, and then they divide that note up and they'll say this is the attack of the note, here's the sustain of the note, and then here's the decay of the note. And they cut that those three sections up, and then they'll 
put the attack in and then they'll take the, the sustain and loop it around uh, numerous times and then add the decay. So then you can then artificially recreate the sound of Stradivarius violin yes. by pressing on a, on a MIDI key and you it plays the attack and then it plays the, the sustain and then loops the sustain until you release and then it plays the decay. And and but they take it from, you know, very, very and then as, you know, recording equipment advances and as processing equipment advances and stuff like that, we've been able to make these sounds sound better and better and better. And that's kind of that's why this is such a big deal is that this is yeah. now available on Linux. The other thing really that makes cool. it kind of a huge deal in terms of just the um, editors or the production managers that are using this software, uh, VST plugins include also a UI scripting and all of that, an interface. Under, so the, mm. the VST plugin interfaces are the same. They are, I, another way to say this is they are OS agnostic. So if you're familiar with a VST plugin on the Mac or on Windows, and all of a sudden you find yourself using Ardour on Linux, you're still going to find the same user interface, which is a huge deal because right. then everything you've learned under those other platforms is applicable for editing under Linux. And that makes the, not only the barrier of entry lower, but once you're actually sitting down to do the work, you take less time because you already know how to use it. And that's a big deal too. And these look like really nice ones. So these are these are Tractian, which you can find at uh, – yes. So and, and that's not to be glossed over either. I think the if I'm not mistaken, I don't know a whole lot about this, but I believe that Traction, the software, just got ported to Linux middle of last year, mm -hmm. yeah. end of last yeah. year, somewhere yeah. in there. Yeah. So that their DAW is now commercial DAW is now available on Linux too. If I I'm not mistaken, you know, I, uh, that's a great point. Yeah. So they <laughs> well <laughs> tested on Ubuntu 15 <laughs> uh, with an Intel two <laughs> Core two Duo and two gigs of RAM. <laughs> you don't like a one two fifteen? No. So let's. Uh, so if I want to go get a, let's just do a little test here. If I want to get a free trial here. Hey 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 hey. No what? What, no, what, no. what distributions are supported? Arch users can install Traction via the AUR package. What? This is right on their FAQ. Yeah, dude. What 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 what? Here. Okay, because I was just about to sign Bill Gates up for this trial. So what do I do? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, <laughs> post this in the chat room okay. so you don't have to sign Bill Gates up for a trial. That's much yeah, easier. I should have thought of that. I, I, why, did, why didn't I think of that? Why, did, why were you the guy to think of that and I didn't think of that? I didn't. I didn't, man. The company that makes it thought of it. They they advertise right on their FAQ. Yeah, that but it's in the you AUR. thought to Isn't look for this. So why didn't you just tell me what I the package the name is? What's the matter with you? You're uh, an animal. Oh, they have a link to it right It is Traction. So there you go. And that is a Traction with a K. So Yeah. Yeah, Traction-6 actually is the package name. I'm going to install it right now. And then uh, maybe by the news segment, maybe we'll have it. I mean, I'm not going to do it right now. I'm going to do it during the break oh, on the live oh, stream. Oh, and then we'll see by the oh. news segment. Because that's actually, that's actually kind of legit. I, I think that I, I want to try that out because I'm always up for a new editor, audio editor under Linux. Hey, uh, before we jump mm -hmm. into the news, I just wanted to give a shout out. The uh, pick site has been refreshed with all of our past picks. JupiterBroadcasting.com slash last picks. Thanks to producer Michael. Soon to be updated with Thunderbird. I don't I don't know how he does doubles, but thanks to producer Michael for doing it. Uh, our runs Linux, our desktop apps, our spotlights, past Androids and distros as well. You know what? What if You didn't see Vim on there? What if we drop the spotlight <laughs> for twenty seventeen? Okay. And do distro picks okay. again for twenty seventeen. We start picking oh, yes, distros yes, again. Yes, 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 yes. Let's do distro picks. Yes. All right. Yes, yes. All right. Yes. Yes. So yes. will you and the beard remember that? Because I'm not gonna remember yes, that since yes. it's in the yep, middle yep, of the I show. I remember. Got it. All no right. Problem. So we're we dropping spotlights, yes. which is yes. what that with that uh what those VST plugins were. And we're gonna do distro picks again. Yes. If for as long Just as we clear. can. If for all of twenty seventeen if we can. We pick a distro for the week, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, well, just and, yes. and, now I'm not saying it's a review. It's not a review. It's no, just no. a hey, we've looked into this distro. It looks yep. pretty tight. Brilliant. You might want to try it. Awesome. Okay. Great. All yes. right. So we're gonna do, do it. So starting right. next week, we'll do that. Uh, all, all right. right. And then so so if you want to see our past picks, that's jupiterbroadcasting.com/slash/lastpicks. And then one last thing, just because there's only four days left, and this is a message for 2017: patch your shit t-shirts, hoodies. <laughs> Tote bags and stickers, teespring.com slash patch your shit. We just did episode 300 of the TechSnap program. My last TechSnap, Alan's last TechSnap, a new crew. TechSnap, the next generation, starts next week with Wes and Dan. Uh, and uh, you can send us off with a patch your shit t-shirt and spread the message. Multiple colors as well. Also, a behind-the-scenes video of our last episode of TechSnap. I'm sure Noah's totally up to date. You can find that at YouTube.com slash Chris Fisher. That's, I think, the latest video is the behind-the-scenes final I'm subscribed, bro, so I get I get push notifications when you post Yeah, a and then you uh, cloud stream those to your mobile device. No, no, I don't. I YouTube DL them and I watch them on a Western Digital TV live locally from my file server. Yeah, he's not kidding either. And you know what? It's pretty legit. It's pretty legit. It is. You have your own folder, actually. Yeah, really? I have my own folder, dude? Yes. Uh, yes. Thanks, yes. Brown Bear. That's it's super Chris, awesome. Chris Vila. jeez. Well, with all the picks done, let's do the news. It's the news, and this episode is brought to you by... Ting.com. Go to last.ting.com. That'll take $25 off your first device, or if you bring a device, I'll give you $25 in service credit. Last.ting.com. One of the interesting things, too, if you're a small business, three to ten or more customers, I definitely encourage you to check out Ting because you can really save a ton of money. They have GSM and CDMA networks. Your average bill's $23. They have incredible... Incredibly great customer service where you get to talk to an actual human being. You're not going to do that whole jumping around thing. And I really, really, really enjoy their dashboard because for the most part now, going three plus years with Ting, I've had to call, I still think I'm once. Once when I was on the road and I was actually just trying to troubleshoot my connectivity. So <laughs> I had to call in. And that was that was the best experience I've ever had because not only did they stay on the phone way longer than they thought they would have and fixed the problem, but then later on they sent me a postcard, which was just kind of cool, just to you know make sure everything was great. And I, I really have pers- – I've, I've almost been able to accomplish just about everything except for that one phone call via the Ting dashboard. They really have got a great dashboard. So check them out. Go to last.ting.com. There's no contract. There's no early termination fee. You only pay for what you use. Doesn't matter if you want an iPhone or an Android or a feature phone. Also, check out their blog. Even if you're not ready to switch to Ting, they've got great tips for cord cutters, including those of you that want to stream, quote unquote, international television. They've got a bunch of stuff for you guys. And they have great deals on devices if you want to buy it directly $9 for SIM cards, GSM or CDMA. You can bring a Nexus device or pick one up from Ting, too, like the Nexus 5X. $338, no contract, no other termination fee, only pay for what you use. $6 for the line. Check them out. Noah and I have been using Ting for a long time. I think we're both over three years now. Noah, are you over three years now? I, I, must I be, am. Right? More importantly, than, more importantly than, than, than me or you are the people that don't have any pre- preconceived notions. They don't, they don't think about this stuff in real detail. They're just kind of like a, give me a phone, I use it. So I, I switched Alex over to Ting, right? As 
longtime best friend of mine, and uh, and he was on the phone with them because he wanted his phone unlocked for international use, and so he calls them up, and they, they unlocked the phone in like 30 seconds. That didn't take very long, but then he spent like the next like 45 minutes like talking to them about like how their company works, and like they use Slack, and he's like, oh, my friend uses Slack, and that's how we communicate, and like they, then they have this big, long conversation. I'm kind of sitting there listening, and I'm like, who the heck were you talking to? He's like, oh, that's Jim with, uh, with, uh, with Ting, and I'm like, you, that was all Ting, and he's like, "Yeah, yeah, I was just talking to him. We had a conversation about what I, you know, I'm, I, this is what I do for a living. This is what he does for a living. This is how we do it. That's how they do it." And I'm like, "So apparently, if you want a conversation with a friend, call Ting." Yeah, they are very nice. All right, so let's jump into the news, and we'll kind of segue from Ting to some mobile news in the Linux space. Canonical has made a statement about the future of Ubuntu Phone, and it's basically, "Don't get too excited. 2017 is going to be year of transition." Uh, so. Ferronix has a pretty great article. They say, for those of you that had high hopes for 2017, some of you are right. There's going to be very little or to nothing because they're going to transition the Ubuntu phone platform in kind of a couple of big ways. First of all, right now, it's based on click packages, which you might remember we talked about a while ago, and we really haven't talked about them much since Snap became a thing. This is one of the transitions that the Ubuntu phone platform is going to go under. I feel like more, though, what I'm taking away from all of this is it's all just going to come under one big umbrella of like Ubuntu personal whatever, which will include the desktop and the phone. And it's just going to be one big thing because they're going to have in 2017, not to start to get into the predictions, but in 2017, we're going to see Unity 8. We're going to see them shipping their convergence desktop it would kind of be the appropriate time to sort of put all of this under one umbrella. It's not so much that Ubuntu phone's going away as it's going to be just integrated into an overall broader effort. And it's obviously a, in, in sort of an indirect way a statement that up until this point, Ubuntu phone hasn't been super successful. We really haven't seen a phone targeted at the U.S. market. There hasn't been a lot of demand here. Google has doubled down on some of their areas this seems like the natural next thing. You've got this technology. You've got this work. It's not going to be your primary focus. Move it into the rest of your overall strategy. Come back to the desktop. Integrate some of those improvements into the desktop and ship a product there. In some ways, it looks like a good move. In some other ways, it looks like an admission of defeat. How do you take it, Noah? I think that they it's it's a it's an admission of of uh, reality. It's they've they've come to grips of this is what we do, this is what we don't do, this is where we can succeed, this is where we don't have a, a chance of succeeding. And really, a bunch on the phone was a stupid idea to begin with, and any, everyone said so. We all knew it. We oh. just waited for them to figure it out. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm not trying to be mean, but that's that's the reality, right? Um, yeah, I, I think I think the reality is is that the market was never favorable to the conditions to make Ubuntu phones successful. However, right. uh, I don't necessarily know if I agree that. It was a total waste of effort. Um, I mainly because I still think that Android is a shit platform that has nothing but bad options or worst options. The bad option being the Pixel that will get supported for God knows how long and is extremely expensive. And the worst option being you can get a 6P or a 5X for under $400, but you're probably only going to get a year of actual updates and maybe a little more of that security updates. There's not a great solution on the Android side of things. People come to me like Turth in the chat room on a daily basis and they say, hey, Chris, what do you think of this Android form phone? What do you think of the Moto this? What do you think of that? They're all shit. 
Unless they're made by Google, they're shit. That's just the fundamental facts of Android because they're not getting supported directly by the vendor. They're not getting patched by the vendor. They're not getting tested directly by the vendor. It, the Pixel phone is the Android phone now. The reality of 2017, and I don't mean to say this harshly because I know guys like Noah with very justified reasons like the Samsung lines or others like the Moto lines. I'm not disparaging people that like non-Nexus phones. But the reality is in 2017, there are two phones on the market. There's the Pixel phone and there's the iPhone. And if you don't That's have a uh, prove me. You know what? We'll come back to that conversation at the end of 2017. I think it's very, very, okay. very right. true. And I think this makes projects like Ubuntu Touch and other phone OSs that give you an alternative option fundamentally and dramatically more important. So I, I wouldn't – I think it would be way too soon to say Ubuntu phone is dead because at the end of 2017, I think projects like it are going to be more needed than ever because I believe we will definitely be living in a pixel iPhone world. I'm not saying Samsung's going out of business. I'm not saying anything, saying anything crazy like that. But I'm saying in terms of actual phones that are selling on the market that are worth anything, it's going to be these two devices. So That's already the reality. phones that are selling that people will buy. No, 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 no. No, if, if you care about security, if you care about having a phone that's supported, if you care about right. specs or having right. a good camera. Now, if you're going right, in. Right, right, right. But that's, that's what I'm saying. So phones that you would buy. I say anybody with discerning technology interests and taste would buy with that have the money to spend on it. I, I, there's still going to be a lot of people that need a budget phone. There's still, the majority of the market. There's still going to be a lot of people that will walk right. into a Verizon store or an AT&T store and buy something that's free mm-hmm. or very cheap. That's obviously still right. going to be a thing. And those yep. and and you know what? That's that's the bottom feeder market. That's the netbooks of the market. That's the market that makes no money. It's the majority of the market. But there's no money there. That's, that's the problem. All of these vendors are going to lose their ass in these markets. Samsung is losing their ass right now on the low end. Everybody is. Go. I, we don't need to get into it right now, but if, if you're curious, after the show, go look at the profitability of the mobile industry and just look at the information. It's, it's If you sell phones in the low end, you literally have lost money for the last three years. You haven't made a profit. So there's no money to be made in that market. The only end, the only area that makes money is the high end. And there's only going to be two phones competing in that space, and that's Pixel and iPhone. And it, the problem is, is for those of us who don't trust Android and those of us that don't like Apple, there's very little choice for us right now in the U.S. market. There's not a lot of mm-hmm. good backup options. And so I, that's why I was really happy to see this post by Dalton over at the UbiPorts blog that says their efforts are not done. They're going to continue on. They'll keep working while Canonical tries to focus their resources on Snaps, Unity 8, and Mirror. They're going to continue porting Ubuntu Touch to devices. Like the One Touch or the One Plus. With running, the One Plus running Ubuntu Touch could be really great. I just don't know if it's going to be really great in 2017. So this is this is a this is a this is getting to be a I in my my estimation a worse situation as we go forward because there's less diversification in the Android system now that there's the Pixel phone. I think maybe I'm wrong. I think there's less diversification once you add a ton of qualifiers on, but I think as far as people that are just out there to buy phones, I think there are a ton of options, and I think that there's a lot of us, like myself, who don't really care that much about security, to be perfectly honest with you, and so I'm perfectly willing to take my Samsung S6, and I'll use it for four years, and I'll be perfectly happy with it all those four years. Okay. All right, good enough. So moving on, let's talk about Endless. So Endless is something I think we've mentioned once before on this show uh, and they have something that they think is going to sell gangbusters in the U.S. market, a mini desktop PC. 
Now, the thing that's probably the big takeaway is it's $250, so it's even cheaper than a NUC. Now, for that price, you're getting Intel Celeron, 2 gigs of RAM, a 500 gigabyte spinning disk, Wi-Fi, Ethernet. Wow, USB 3. Well, it's better than a MacBook, actually. You get HDMI, VGA, audio, headphone jacks, <laughs> headphone jack, all of that. And it's got a pretty cool wood case. Um, and do you remember Endless? Does this ring a bell to you? Mm-hmm. I don't. Yeah, so that was the... Yeah, so they they had that. Uh, if I remember right, it was the it was that uh, that the computer that was kind of structured for um, developing countries that had the uh, just like this video says, very low specs. It makes using a computer yeah. simpler and accessible for everyone. Endless OS works easily from the moment you turn it on. Just like a smartphone, apps are open from the home screen with one simple click. Endless OS is designed to be useful even when you're offline. Quality content is always at your fingertips so you can find the information you need when you want it. There's an encyclopedia with over 50,000 articles, plus tons of useful information about parenting, health, culture, and so much more. This reminds me a lot of like uh, web TV back in the day. Yeah, oh, sure. So the the thing that excited me about this Endless PC initially is that, you know, I'm really thankful for companies that are making products for developing markets, developing countries. That That's great. I'm really glad that we have those products and that there's a they're there to serve those people. Yeah. The problem is that in the U.S. market, we there's not a lot of products that are tailored towards us. And we have we do have them, but they're very expensive or they're micro, Microsoft based or right? they're like all Microsoft tablets, has a little compute stick. And the, yeah, right. Or the, the Google, uh, you know, uh, whatever the Chrome base box, whatever. This is a Linux PC that is great for grandma to check her email, for mom to browse the internet and get on Telegram, for the kids to go, you know, play Tux Racer or something like that. Those those little tiny things that, yes, we could put together with the Raspberry Pi. Yes, we could repurpose an old machine. Yes, we could buy a Windows machine and then reformat it with Linux. Now we have an option that we can just buy right off the, the bat. The only thing I'm unhappy about is it was a it was a clear cut mistake to put a spinning disk in this thing. I I can buy a SanDisk 120 gig SSD at Best Buy right now for $31. So if you go and call SanDisk and say you want to buy, you know, 5000 of those things, I bet they knock 5-10 bucks off or so, whatever or maybe not, even if they didn't, 30 bucks. They I, also you, have you the mini. In there. They have the mini which is 129 US greenbacks and uh now this is ARM using the Mali 450 graphics uh, as the GPU. It has 2 gigs of RAM and 64 gigabytes of flash storage. So for 130 bucks, you get a lot less spec, but you do get flash storage. Now the downside is the RAM is not upgradable; it's soldered onto the board. Shooters mm-hmm. down, but you can upgrade the disk not, storage. Not a huge. I mean, ARM is great for a lot of cases. When it comes to like, you know, like there's there's just so many things that like then you have to start thinking like, is this application going to be supported? Is that application? There's a Telegram port for ARM. So it'd be really nice to stick with x86 if we can. So Endless OS, which which that would be the shipping operating system on these, uh, is a custom mm-hmm. version of Linux designed to be easy to use, they say, but which also comes with educational software pre-installed. They're also including a new initiative called Endless Code later this year in an effort to provide tools to help children and others learn how to create their own software, which is probably code for it's going to be very simple tools. Um, they're going to make it available for download the OS itself on January 16th. I don't awesome. know what it is about endless OS and the idea of making Linux a like a something about this feels like it's not in the spirit of open source. It feels like creating people a contained managed product that is not free. It's it's 
it's productized, it's subscribed, and managed. And there's something about it that doesn't feel right because free software should mean forever. Like, okay, here's what the problem is. They call themselves mm-hmm. endless. Well, what's, mm-hmm. what's backing them to make sure it's actually endless? I guess that's my core issue. Like, if you're going to call yourself endless, are you literally going to be around for 25 years? Are you going to give me updates for 10 years? Like, what is endless? So that's my only issue. I actually think it's a pretty neat idea. And what I do like about it is it gets the price of a PC that runs Linux down to the price of a tablet. And so if you have a family member who's like, should I get a tablet? Should I get another computer? This could be a new option for them if this all takes off. Where they don't have to spend anything more than they would for a tablet, and they get a full Linux desktop PC with, in theory, a long-term set of updates, good software, pre-installed selection of software they'd probably like. So I guess my my view on it is that for those of us who care about the operating system, you know, if if we're worried about Endless being around, we're probably going to dump it and put you know Ubuntu or Mate or yeah, Solus so. even on on one of these machines. And really what I'm looking for is a manufacturer just to build the hardware. But the thing is, Linux has never been very sexy. It has to be productized to be able to really sell. And so I think if they want to try to to to, to enter into a market and produce a fully contained product, then you put an operating system on there. And if you put it on there and you brand it and you productized it and, and everything kind of has this cohesive feel to it, then I think you set yourself up to sell more of those boxes. But really, I think we're splitting like the last, like we're splitting hairs at the very end because uh, really, the only thing is, for a, a you're box. right. Yeah, for us, yeah, the hardware is what really matters. For the end user, I just mm-hmm. hate to see a new wall garden get created where they get boxed in again. Uh, because yeah. we just, I feel like we just watched that happen with Android. Uh, and we all, as Linux users, instinctively think Android's great, apparently, because it's got a Linux kernel in it. So we all defend anytime Chris says something uh, negative about Android, everybody freaks out because. Apparently, we all think Google's the best open source contributor ever. And, you know, I could see the same thing with Endless. It's Linux-based. It's using free software. Mm. It apparently is using GTK3 for predominantly the most of the desktop. And it just creates a new walled Mm. garden. I just want to make sure that that's not going to happen because that I'm not so excited about. Now, getting cheap hardware, stuff I could reload, stuff that runs Linux, I'm excited about all those things. Mm. But as an established Linux user who doesn't need an Endless PC, I might be way more excited about the Neon project the KDE Neon project, announcing KDE Neon via Docker. This is brilliant. So you want to play around with KDE Neon like I do, and mm-hmm. you don't want to jam, jam up your system with a bunch of Plasma packages. So I, during Linux Unplugged on the Air Master right here, I decided to install Plasma Desktop because I, new release, LTS version, super nice. I thought, okay, let's give Plasma Desktop a try again. And then, sure enough, the next time I went to update my system, I had a whole bunch of conflicts with Plasma packages. I immediately regretted the fact that I installed like 500 Plasma packages on my system. And I had to go through and purge all of them so that way I could do weekly updates on my Archbox like I like. So this really appeals to me because I am very interested in playing around with KDE Neon. I am not necessarily interested in upending my entire install and jamming it full right. of KDE dependencies. So once you have Docker set up, this allows you to try out the full Plasma session inside a Docker container, which you can obviously grok the benefits of that if you understand containerization. And it's just one more easy way for people to get their hands on the latest and greatest Plasma desktop stuff. This, to me, seems pretty smart. There's a little bit of hoops you got to jump through because once you get set up in Docker, you got to jump through hoops of getting your X session up on your screen. And it's probably not going to be perfect for a while, but I think it's a great idea. Any thoughts on this one, Noah? Did you put this one in the Docker, or did I? The, I can't remember. I think yeah, you I did. did. Yeah. So 
Yeah, I did. So the, th- I, the, the, I have, I come at this from two perspectives, kind of what you're saying on one hand, I have a lot of friends and very, very well-respected and trusted colleagues that swear by KDE neon producer, Michael, for example, right. Hugely respect his opinion on, on distros and what he's using and stuff like that. Very devoted Linux guy. And he is all in on KDE neon. That's his main daily driver. That's all he uses now. And at the same time, I have used it and I've not been like entirely blown away. I think there's cool things about it. I kind of want to keep my eye on it. I kind of want to play with it. I don't want to live in it. And so the, from a larger perspective, simply containerizing distros or, or, or boutique parts of distros and, and, and or getting saw, those or into desktop containers. environments. Well, yeah. Right. Yeah. If we can play with them a little bit and, and try them, I think that's great. So yeah, I'm excited. I think it'll be really cool. All right. I think well, it's gonna I'm going like to review this stuff. I'm going to save the rest of my thoughts for our prediction segment because I kind of have a prediction coming up that sort of plays into this. I was surprised that you put this in the doc because this is probably like one of the only things out of CES this year that I actually care about unless I've unless I've missed the good stuff. Hands on, says TechCrunch, with NVIDIA's new Shield Android TV, which the reason why we're covering this in the show is I have reviewed this before. I think it's one of the best set-top boxes for online streaming content. I have what is now apparently the old version soon. You know what the real big difference is with this? Is uh, uh, No, no, the current one does 4K. You're going to love this. Always on Google Assistant. Oh, great. That'll fit perfectly in with all of your lights and all of your stuff that you want to control. That's wow. fantastic. Listen I think to you. Just, I think that's terrific. Just waiting to jump. Just terrific. waiting to pounce. Uh, it, has the yes. s- it even has the same Tegra X1 processor that the current Shield has that shipped in, in oh, 2015. Good. But uh, they say Got that it. they say it's still like way faster than any other box on the market, which I believe. Yeah. Uh, it yeah, is, so a, this- is a really nice box. Yeah, a super nice box. Except now you get the uh, now you get the Google Spy right in your house. That's yeah. fantastic. And they're actually going to update the, the old box with it too, but it won't always be on. Oh, well, make sure to get that new one then, so you can control all your uh, you know cloud stuff. But you know the exciting thing is like it, it doesn't matter that like Chris and I have wildly different views on on well not views but wildly different uh, operation ideas on how to watch content right like you're doing a lot of YouTube stuff. <clears throat> You're streaming a lot of Plex stuff, stuff like that, and I am pulling a lot of stuff off just off of a hard drive onto a onto a single box through a file server with no sort of transcoding anything like that. And yet, both of us have kind of found that really, as much as neither one of us love Android, that's kind of the place to be if you want a really good set tops TV box. Yeah, especially so one cool. that gets modern apps with things like Kodi, and and if you right. do want things like Netflix or whatever. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I would say, with the ex- uh, with the exception of YouTube, just to clarify the characterization that you just casted there, with the exception of YouTube, because I do not, I just, I don't have time like you do to set up fifty terminal windows in YouTube DL fifty videos at once. <laughs> the only way I can stay on top of daily videos is if I watch them. So I well, just, Chris, I don't. I don't have time to uh, to go back and start contacting places and ask him if I can get a copy of the video I saw on YouTube once that then got taken down for some reason because yeah. I was too late. Yeah, to I know. I know you find YouTube there. videos to be so precious that it's worth your local storage to ca- save them just in case they, they ever are. get taken down. They are. They totally are. They're so precious. Uh, well, your but outside, of course, my vlogs are uh, outside of YouTube. <laughs> all my stuff is local these days. Almost 
almost all just because of living in the RV where I'm on a MiFi connection and uh, you ain't streaming over that. So I, I don't really find the streaming of features of this compelling. I don't even find the Google Assistant features of this compelling yet. I just think it's a damn good set-top box. And what it could mean is that the previous version, which pretty much is the same box but just doesn't have always listening – uh, probably gonna get you. Could probably buy it for cheap on eBay pretty soon. That's probably what that means. So if you've been thinking about getting one, uh, stay tuned because you could probably pick them up used. All right, now there's only one trend that actually matters, and that's web browsers on porn sites. And Pornhub has a 2016 year in review. And guess what, ladies and gentlemen, Linux did well. Makes sense. So we have to we have to start by saying that the fact. So <clears throat> one of the things, anytime you have a large number of people that do anything, you can study and learn a bunch of different things, right? And so when you take the the internet's largest porn site and you say, well, basically everyone goes to a porn site, so now we can start studying, you know, what people are doing technology wise. So we can study what kind of browsers are they using, how long do they visit these websites, what operating system are they using, and and Pornhub. You know, does a great job at breaking all these metrics down, and they have graphs. They have it by country. They have it by time of day. They have it by web browser, and they have it by Linux. Linux is up, I think, three percent, so fourteen percent of all people who are browsing porn now are doing it on Linux. Is that right? I think so. Uh, I and think uh, they say it was a big, big growth <laughs> year for Linux. If you think about it, it kind of makes sense. Even if you're running Windows but want to run it in a VM. Uh, if you're gonna go trolling for porn, I would probably do it in a, on a Linux. I would. I just don't even think browsing the web is generally safe on Windows, let alone browse for porn <laughs> or 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 uh, pirated software or games. You know, like mm -hmm. I wouldn't do that mm -hmm. under Windows either. That's that's asking for it. Just just don't even do that. Go run go run a Linux VM for God's sakes, or do it on a live instance, or if nothing else, a dedicated Linux desktop. There's a lot of hours of porn watch too. They have some interesting stats on here. 23 billion visitors, 64 million per day, 2.6 million per hour, 44,000 a minute, 729 visitors per second. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's just, it's the, the, the fact that they do this is really, really cool. Number one is the USA. Number two is Iceland. Okay, that doesn't surprise me. Iceland. Number Iceland, two. huh? Yeah. Number, th number so three. A lot of other forms of entertainment out there. United Kingdom comes in at number Very three cool. and Canada at fourth. How about that? And New Zealand, fifth. Australia, you come in at eighth. And Norway, seventh. That's so funny. Uh, but actually, I think, surprise, you, know, you know, joking aside, kind of an interesting stat. Because this isn't the only website I've, said, I've seen that said we saw a big increase in Linux this year. But this is probably, mm -hmm. with those kind of numbers and stuff, this is probably one of the most mm -hmm. legitimate data sources. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. It, it's, uh, if you think about it, it's almost like you know, like when when uh, when they were they were looking, they were doing these polls that were going off of Google Analytics for uh, you know to try to determine presidential polls based on what people are googling. That yeah. is yeah. that is that's very very that's very very raw data because it's 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 unlikely to be influenced. Same thing kind of here. Like I mean, I guess there's a little bit of influence because there's a there's reason people might choose to use an alternative operating system to visit that particular site. But for the most part. You know, it's it, it, it's very interesting information. So good on Pornhub for, like, releasing all of these in very, like, you know, scientific, factual, you know, graphical form. I would also say this. Um, it's an interesting way to get people to put their toes into Linux just to test the waters because you're doing yeah. it for porn and then you realize, ah, it's not so bad. Jeez, next thing you know, geez, I spent all of 2016 using Linux to browse porn. I could probably install now, this instead of Windows 10. How was how was that not a distro? Now that I'm thinking about it, how was that not how was nobody made that a distro? Somebody porn a million do dollar it. idea right here. 
million dollar idea right here. A distro that has like a default, it defaults to private browsing, deletes all the cache, stuff like that, has by default like every media player installed that's automatically defaulted and has like all the formats all set up and, and ready to go, has the hotkeys like on the wallpaper. So like forward, back, stuff like that. Like this could be a thing. <laughs> this could be a could thing. Could be a money. How do you Live make money though? USB. You know what you do is like the uh, the elementary OS style download page, right? <laughs> for, for an anonymous download link, quote unquote. An, an HTTPS anonymous yeah. download link. Yeah, that's a, right. a white label download link. All right. Well, so uh, obviously after that, that's all the news for this week. At the beginning of every new year, we like to do our Linux predictions, look ahead and tell you everything without a shadow of a doubt that's likely to happen in the next year. And Noah and I have gone off in our individual corners and created our lists, and now we're going to throw them at each other and surprise each other with what we've come up with for 2017. I have literally no idea, and I can't wait to find out what Noah's come up with uh, for what's going to happen in Linux. But first, let's thank Linux Academy for making this segment possible. Go to linuxacademy.com unplugged. It's a platform to learn all about Linux, the itty-bitty nitty-gritties, all the way up to the big platform stuff, linuxacademy.com unplugged. Video courses, instructor mentoring, all of it is available. Oop, hi there, Gnome. All of it is available at Linux Academy, including training specifically for certs and all of those kinds of goodies. Whether you're an experienced sysadmin or new to the world of Linux, Azure, and AWS, OpenStack, and DevOps, a sharp skill set is an absolute necessity to succeed. Meet Linux Academy, an online Linux and cloud training platform that uses self-paced video courses and hands-on labs to give you real-world experience for a wide range of skills. Train for your certification, learn the latest DevOps tools, and grow your skill set to do better work. Linux Academy is not just a video library. Our scenario-based server labs and quiz system allow you to learn hands-on. We also have full-time human instructors who answer questions and help you earn that certification or promotion at work. We add new training every week, so you'll always be up to date on the latest tech. Sysadmins of every experience level use Linux Academy to stay on the bleeding edge of the Linux ecosystem. You should too. One of the other things I really like about Linux Academy is after you select your distro, the courseware, and the virtual machines they spin up on demand will automatically match that. And Linux Academy has a big sale going right now. So you can go to linuxacademy.com unplug and you can sign up for a seven-day free trial or <clears throat> take advantage of their extended New Year's sale. You can get, if you buy it a whole year at a time, you can get a 42% savings overall versus month to month, which uh, they, I think, are probably going to have just for a few more days because they extended it like two days ago. So you've probably got another couple of days for the extended New Year sale. LinuxAcademy.com slash unplugged to sign up and follow LinuxAcademy.com on Twitter to find out about more deals, content, and all of that stuff. LinuxAcademy.com slash unplugged. And a big thank you to Linux Academy for sponsoring Linux Action Show. So I think I might have slightly more predictions, although the I've, I've organized it a little bit so that we could actually drop some of my later predictions and it's no big deal. But since I might have one or two more, I thought I'd start with my first one because I think we're going to agree on this for 2017. It is going to be a big year for media production under Linux. Uh, it's, it is damn near perfect for audio production. Uh, we've talked about this on user air already. And I think there are major projects in uh, that are going to make video production much better under Linux than it was in 2016. Uh, I'm thinking of P2V, but you might be thinking of Lightworks. You want to talk about that at all? 
Yeah, so I was actually I wasn't thinking of of Lightworks or I wasn't thinking of oh, the really? editing aspect so much as so, well kind of so much as I'm thinking that in general production is going to move I think production is going to take off in cloud-based services. I think there is going to be Chrome applications. I think there is going to be things like, you know, that that Sony suite that I think is going to get more. I think Adobe is hmm. going to start getting into trying to get more and more applications running on the web itself. And I think that alone is going to drastically, it's going to bust the door wide open for Linux users to be able to produce content under Linux. Interesting. I, I actually think it's going to be more – it's funny that we're going this way. I think it's going to be more native applications on Linux that are going to actually push it over. I think, first of all, for audio production, uh, there are a lot of tools out there right now, especially if you're using them in combination with some other tools that are actually web-based. Um, Linux is one of the best platforms to produce audio podcasts on. And so there will be a lot of people that are just choosing Linux because of that. I know that seems like a what? What's he talking about? But if you if you dig into it, it's true. And video production is very close. Lightworks is spending a lot of time and energy this year specifically on Linux. And they're spending a lot of time and energy making sure that you all know they're doing that. So that I think that speaks volumes for where they see the market going. In, in some ways, probably in response to the lack of proper Mac hardware updates and people abandoning Final Cut and Macs. I also think PDV and OpenShot are going to make big strides this year. So I think – I know this is not a super strong production prediction, but I think production under Linux is going to be – it's going to be the year of Linux media production in a, in, a, in a small way. So that's my first prediction. I figured it would be one that we both agreed on. It's not going to shock anybody mm-hmm. watching this show. That's our warm-up prediction. Why don't you start with your first prediction? Sure. I think that in the year 2017, I think that USB-C is going to be – on every single laptop. And so the, you know, when you're buying a, a new Linux laptop that you're, we're going to have the that power and that capability and getting devices to work in USB-C. They've been kind of hit or miss in 2016. I played with it on, on an HP uh, and uh, some of the devices work, some of the devices don't. I think that that's going to be a really big deal for developers to get that working because I think every laptop is going to ship being powered with USB-C. So and then have, you know, so it's the, the year of USB-C too. for Linux is what you're saying. Yes, I think it's going to be the year of USB-C for laptops. I th- I hope that Linux is there and ready to deal with some of those uh, some of those things. And if if any developers out there are wondering what I'm talking about, look at display connection type things. Yeah, display port that kind yeah. of stuff that never seems to work under Linux yeah. with uh, USB-C right now. So Very good. I like that it. Would be good to get solved. All right, I got one for you that's not going to be shocking, but I'm gonna I'm gonna say that in 2017. Microsoft will make some sort of business deal with Canonical that ends up with Microsoft shipping a Canonical-developed kernel on one of their products. Really? I don't know if it's going to be a cloud product uh-huh. or a hardware product, but I would love to see it be the latter. I Now, if Microsoft does this, I'm going to really mm-hmm. believe that they have changed. This will be the sign. If they decide it's it's better just to like – because, you know, like Canonical's working on the snaps and they're working on Ubuntu Core and these things are perfect mm-hmm. for like the whole Internet of Things devices. They're perfect for like mm-hmm. deploying quick images on Azure. Plus, they might just want the brand association if for cloud services so I could see them going that route. But I think there's actually going to be some sort of formal agreement, perhaps even an exchange of money paid to Canonical by Microsoft or something like that for either support yeah. or something. Yeah. For 2017, I think it's the year. Wow! All right, all right. You got all right. That would, that, that would be crazy. I, so I actually, if we can hang on that for one more second. So, do you see that as Microsoft's way of, of finally giving it on 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 
on Windows on the desktop or just as like a service? I think it's really be, the back end. I think it's more a matter of the category of product wouldn't be appropriate with Windows on it or Windows isn't ready for it. It's going to be like, yeah. you know, something that's low end like ARM or it's going to be something that's headless and super low resources yeah. like the cloud. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously you can get, okay. you can get, I think that, but I think that's going to be something, something kind of big, but we'll see. I, yeah, I will. Right. That would mean they change. I think, I think when it lands that you'll know it immediately. That's what I'll say. When it lands, you'll know it immediately. All, All right. right. All right. Your prediction. So I have sir. a prediction about Jupiter Broadcasting. What? In 2017, I, I predict that Jupiter Broadcasting will finally complete the transition to, I'm not going to call it cloud. I'm going to call it server-based infrastructure where we utilize um, the power of things like DigitalOcean, virtual, ser virtual uh, you know, service providers, to host a lot of the things that are being done in a local studio that will then facilitate things like Chris in a trailer driving around the country Ooh. or me being able to host you know a couple shows or spin up Axnoa and so that we can switch from one sh one network one studio to the other without having to drop the stream or if Wes starts to take off and 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 he starts doing tech snap but he's not in the studio that kind of decentralized nature I predict happens in 2017 hmm and obviously Linux powered right of course. Oh, well, of course. Is there a way to spin up Windows on DigitalOcean? We got I close in so. 2016, but I think, you know, we flew too close to the sun and we burned ourselves and we, we pulled off for a while. So what what precipitates this this push again? What do you think? I think that what I think really it's going to be three things. I think it's going to be the fact that there are now a multitude of different people that are producing content, you know, Wes and uh, Wes and Dan and myself. And and we're coming in. So and what still was Alan, a one Alan and Chris, Chris Moore remotely as well, right? As BSD, right? They kind of have that process worked out though. So, but when it comes to 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 these new guys, we have to have a. It, well, actually, though, it, it does affect them because they still have to drop the stream and and switch right when when they're taking over. So the so so trying to facilitate that change as, as that grows, I think that's going to be a big push. I think the biggest push, I think the thing that's going to push it over the edge is going to be your desire to be mobile and free. And mm. a, a key part of that Fly is like going a bird. to be able to have a well, the, a key part of that is going to be able to have a stable, structured LTS like environment that you can always go to and just have your studio ready so that you can get to work and do content. And that has to be available to you anywhere. But at the same time, you have to be able to be be able to move around and take things apart and put things and have, you know, and so the way to do that is to offload the majority of the heavy lifting to some sort of, you know, server-based centralized environment. All right. I won't dispute. I won't dispute mostly because you'd be the guy that has to make the bulk of that work happen. And if you don't do it, your own prediction fails. So I'm not going to dispute there that one. <laughs> uh, all right. So I Fair have enough. a prediction for elementary OS uh, and also Solus to an extent, but definitely elementary OS. I think it's going to be, a great year. It's going to be the year that elementary OS begins to replace Mint. And so I don't mean to disparage Mint in this statement, but I think at some cost to Mint, elementary OS is going to have a huge year. Also Solus, but for different reasons. Elementary OS and Solus are going to discover a base of users that didn't even know they existed, that want exactly what those two distributions provide. And that large base is looking for software and desktop environments right now. You can find very interesting and compelling blog posts all over the internet about it. It's been fascinating for me to follow. Solus obviously uh, appeals to those of us who might find ourselves more into into uh, a more experienced user's distribution. And elementary obviously appeals to those that want something standardized, consistent, and appeals to perhaps, perhaps to somebody that wants 
um, a more traditional style interface. I'm, you know, you know what I'm trying to get at. Yeah, uh, yeah. So no, I think, I think you're, I think, I think you're 100 on the ball. I think what will really, really help that is simply more people knowing about elementary. I think that they have all of the details down. They have all of the infrastructure there. They have everything laid, the groundwork laid out. I think the biggest problem is if you go and just Google, what should I start with? There are two answers that pop up on various forms. One is Ubuntu and one is Mint. And then when people say, because there's a lot of forms that link distro watch and say, go over here, you can kind of see what the hottest distro is. And then people click on that yeah. and it tells them Mint. However, I feel you know, like then they say, well, I feel, feel like my prediction account for that because I feel like part of that is transitioning to other platforms like Reddit, Twitter, um, oh, yeah, yeah, Quora, and these are more dynamic, sure. more frequently updated, perhaps. I don't mm -hmm. know, maybe I'm wrong, but yeah, and more, and no, I think you're, I, I'm agreeing with you 100%. I think also those platforms also don't lend themselves to being swayed by however it is that Sister Watch comes up with these. these metrics that they come up with, but uh, yeah. you know, it, it, it's it's you know, Twitter is a very real. You know, a lot of people are, you know, they're directly talking about what, what they're doing. Plus, you can kind of talk directly to the people that are part of the project, which is, I think, you know, a big selling point. Here's what I'm thinking. There is going to be a max exodus in 2017. Like, Mac users, not by millions, but by probably tens of thousands, are going to be mm -hmm. leaving the Mac platform and switching to Linux. And in this max yes. exodus, I think they're going to look at distributions like Solus for the people that are like, more technical, and elementary OS. Mm -hmm. And I think that community, it's already starting to happen. It's happening right now, actually. That community is is journaling the process of switching and the distributions they're looking at. And I covered one in last week's Linux Unplugged. And they themselves are spreading the word about elementary OS and Solus. They're telling other Mac users about it. And now there's this conversation happening on Twitter amongst very established Mac users about looking at different Linux distributions. And elementary OS is just part of the conversation. So they are telling so themselves about it. So that was actually one of my predictions as well. Was that uh, was that, that that we see the first real decline, measurable decline, in MacBook sales? I think that what you're going to see starting 2017. I think we already kind of have started to see it, but you know, a lot of times it's it's hard for me to really latch on to the 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 initial buzz because you always have that initial backlash anytime Apple does anything that's different. But then usually what you see is kind of people just kind of they they just kind of they kind of fall back into the swing and they go, well, that's the MacBook we have now. We just don't have an escape key. It's okay. Now we and make then it just work. Go, we know? just get the job done. We buy our dongles. Right, exactly. That's right. And <laughs> yeah, exactly that. So so that's what you usually see. This time though, it I, I I keep that usually lasts about a month and two months, and then it it seems to kind of die down. iPhone seven was kind of that way. Everyone made a big fuss about the headphone jack. Then everyone. <laughs> I went out and bought iPhone 7s, but you've not seen that. And I, I am still talking to Mac people, hardcore Mac people that r are in love with Apple. And they're like, yeah, man, I yeah. just, I don't know if I could do that. No, dude, MacBook they crossed now. a line too far. They really crossed a line too far, I think. And especially because the big maybe. payoffs didn't really actually pay off, like the big battery life yeah. and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, that's your prediction? Maybe. That was one of mine, yep. I like it. That's pretty good. All right. Okay, very good. So uh, the MacBook sales decline. We both think it's going to be good for Linux. I don't think it's going to be like some huge revolutionary change. Uh, I think it's going to kind of go like this. There was probably a good portion of uh, Linux users that split off when Canonical announced Unity, and they switched to the Mac. I, I, I think we've talked about that. There's a lot of people that have blogged about that. And just like we didn't really notice it at the time then, we're probably not going to really notice it now. Because they're just going to do it quietly. They're just going to switch over. They're going to get a piece of hardware that works for them. And they're just going to start getting their work done. 
Some of them will blog about it, but just a tiny, tiny percentage, and even a smaller percentage of the people that blog about it have any social reach that actually gets them any attention. So for the most part, it'll be hard to actually notice if this has happened other than those of mm-hmm. us that really follow it closely. And I'll be honest, like if I start to see a lot of email that, or if I don't, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest about it, how I, how I think it goes. All right. So while we're talking about like banner years and stuff like that, I think this is going to be a big year, perhaps the best year that the Plasma desktop has had since the Plasma 4 series. I mean, I think this is the KD application suite and the Plasma desktop have really hit their stride. We just talked about that Docker image that the Neon project is making available. The Neon project is doing everything they can to ship the latest and greatest from Plasma as fast as they can possibly get it out there. People are able to now see the stuff they're working on immediately. There's a great couple of showcase distributions for it. They have an LTS release of the Plasma desktop. I really think that long-time Linux users are going to be looking at Plasma in a way that they never have, or at least haven't for a very long time. Big year for Plasma Desktop. I think by the end of it, it's going to... Right now, GNOME always wins all of the desktop polls. I think those things are going to change in 2017. Really? I think it's going to be a huge year for Plasma. I'm not saying it's going to be like... But I think it's going to be really important. That's the the first prediction I think I'm going to disagree with. I don't know if you're ever going to get I, I it's the thing is gnome had a, a long standing history before they made the big switch and then when they went to gnome 3 a couple people kind of dipped down but then most of those people have come back up and i have a hard time believing you're ever really going to be able to significantly impact that market yeah KD i will give you a caveat how about this my caveat when i was thinking of this prediction is i'm mm-hmm. also expecting some big changes in gnome transition to maybe even gnome 4 and in this process there could be people that are looking at the grass and seeing it being greener as no make some transitions coming up, possibly. Sure. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. I know. All right. <laughs> okay. Right. I have to preface this a little bit of a jest, but I have a prediction. In 2017, Chris Fisher will continue to mispronounce everything. Yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. going to say project names. That's what the prediction was, but really everything. You'll yeah, mispronounce I mean, for everything. the most part, that's probably true. Unless some other podcast uh, goes huge and I can listen to them saying things for the first time, then I can model how they say it. That is, that is probably true. I probably will. You know what? Here, and I'll, I'll, I'll what here's, 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 what, here's what you say the next time somebody gives you a hard time about that. You say, the thing is, scient- uh, 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 statistically speaking, anytime somebody mispronounces something, it's probably because they have read it and not, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, and, yeah. And, and so it's because they're very well researched, I not because like, I feel like A, you're right, but B, uh, you're in a glass house, Mr. Pronunciation over there. You're not Mr. Thesaurus walking around with the pronunciations no, over I'm there. So, no, I'm not. I just wait for you to say it first, <laughs> screw it up, and then I make fun of you and follow. It's correct. It works out. All right. Although, 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 I was one of the few people, not one of the few people, I was one of the majority of the people that could pronounce Antargos correctly. Yeah. The first, like, I, I, I never did the, I never did the. Well, Antragos makes more sense. I like it my way better, so we'll just say it that way. Budgie desktop. Okay, but do we, <laughs> but, but be honest, 100% honest, first thing that comes to your uh, mind, do you agree or disagree that it sounds better to say mate than mate? Right? Because we just hear mate yes. more in, in Western yeah. culture. We just hear it more. Right. Although I know uh, Urban Mate, wonderful. All right, so yes. my follow-up prediction to the whole Plasma desktop banner year thing, okay. Gnome will likely be the biggest benefactor of the upcoming Max Exodus. I'm coining a term right there. It's a Max Exodus. And GNOME, because GNOME speaks to that user base, I think. 
And I think that user base is discerning enough, potentially, in the higher... Because what I'm envisioning is old Linux users that were old Unix mm-hmm. users that wanted just a reliable, stable Unix desktop, went to the Mac. Right. Now they've been disenfranchised by Apple screwing them for so many years in a row that they're finally about to abandon it. And now they're going to come back to Linux. They're not necessarily going to want to get tied down to one specific hardware vendor or one specific distribution. They're probably right. going to want general tech platform technology that doesn't have any strategy tax, even that of a distribution like elementary. So I think GNOME 3 on Fedora and on Arch and insert your favorite distro, Solus, insert your favorite distro here, GNOME 3 will be the largest receiver overall of Max Exodus users. What do you think? You already think it's going to be elementary. I agree with that. You do? Nope. Nope. No, I agree with you 100%. No, here's why it won't be elementary. Here's why it won't be elementary. Because by the time you... but. In order to get to a point where people are willing to reinstall their operating system, those people have preferences. And if you're going to have preferences, it means you've researched. And if you've researched, it means you're going to find out that the majority of Linux users are using GNOME. And so that's that's what they're going to wind up on. And then once you kind of get into GNOME, then you get yeah. into the GNOME extensions. The elementary OS is more – I see that I way see, more. Here's, for like, uh, here's where I think elementary OS appeals to a big degree of them. Uh, consistent user interface, human interface guidelines for how you design software, a software development environment that gives you a lot of things automatically, and Lua, which is interesting to a lot of programmers and developers because it's it's cool. So I, true. I think that's elementary true. OS does have a lot going for it, but I think – I mean, just going off of I'm, really what I'm forming these predictions are is off of the Twitters and the gnomes and the blogs and the and the tweets and the uh, Facebooks and the, mm-hmm. all that stuff. I mean, sure. really, it's just like watching, sure. following all these people in fascination, watching them sort of squirm where they're yeah. going to go. And, you know, I, I see Fedora mentioned, I see Arch mentioned, and a lot of times it's because that's where they want to get Gnome 3. Now, do you have any other predictions, Mr. Noah? I do. I've got one last one. All right, lay it this on is, me. Uh, I think that... Internet of Things, it, 2017, like we thought 2016 was like, that was very Internet of Thingy. 2017 is going to be the Internet of Things. I predict that electricians, contractors, the whole nine yards, when they're going to, when they're building houses, they're going to build these houses with Internet of Things in mind. Light switches, that's in, when you're, when instead of putting in dummy light switches, they're going to tell, they're going to give you an option. Do you want the dumb light switches? Do you want the smart light switches? And it's going to become an entire an entire industry. And then I think what's going to happen is some sort of agency, organization, something is going to come in and try to regulate it and say that, you know, like UL, for example, will come in and say, UL has to regulate Internet of Things. So if you want your Internet of Things device to function, then you have to get our certification. And then they're going to control and try to steer people into a given standard, whatever makes the industry a lot of money or whoever can pay to to be in that industry. And we go from this like this like science project type thing to a commercialized venture that you know you buy the thing and you use it the way they tell you to use it i all right I know yeah so uh no i i could see it i i one of the things we're looking at the ces coverage is one of the biggest products out of ces for 2017 or one of the biggest products mm-hmm. that has a lot of attention at ces 2017 is smart devices and the echo like there's a lot of stuff built around the echo and echo integration you might be right yeah. and i guess i guess i just feel sort of like we're just going to just all jump in. We're just going to dive right in, and we're not going to mm-hmm. think about the consequences. We're not going to worry about the security ramifications. Yep. And I, right, I don't really know how I feel about that. That makes so your well, prediction makes me nervous. It. it makes me feel. Oh, I know exactly how I feel like about it. Is there a question how I feel about it? So I want to. I want to. I'm going to. I'm going to. Where's Amazon base? Seattle. I'm going to drive to Seattle and jack a boy up. I tell you what. I like, <laughs> I know exactly how I feel like. 
feel about it. I, is there, this is a terrible thing as I've been fighting against it for years. It's just, yeah, I'm about to lose that battle. Yeah. So. Yeah. Here we go. All right, so uh, I got a couple just to round us up, all right? Just a couple quick fire ones. Dell's going to expand its Linux okay. line to the point that I start taking them seriously as a Linux vendor. That's my prediction <laughs> for 2017. Okay. Uh, Valve pulls back on Steam machines for 2017 and doubles down on yeah. Steam Link. Doubles down. Oh, on, yeah. So oh, I think I, okay. I think the Steam Link, it's 100 bucks or so. Yeah. I think people will look yep. at that. So I think they're going to double down on the Steam Link. Okay. Um, and then one last Valve one. Valve brings early VR to Linux in 2017. Might be only a couple of titles. Might have to use specific hardware like the okay. Vive. Yes, yes. You think it's yeah. going to be the Vive? I, I hope so. I, I hope really so. hope it's the Vive. Yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah. Um, and this is one that I'm putting in my wish column slash prediction column because Chris really needs this badly. By the end of 2017, open source file sync is essentially a finished discussion. Oh. Either it's SyncThing, LibreVault, or Nextcloud, or C-File, or whatever you want to use. But my God, I hope it's yeah. LibreVault. I mean, whatever. Whatever it is. I would just like it to be finished because— You really, you really like LibreVault, huh? I do. I do. I think it's the best of SyncThing and, and BitTorrent. I really do. But okay. it definitely has slowed down, and I don't— I don't. I'm not nearly as hopeful as I was for it last year. Um, I think Nextcloud could be a very solid contender, but I, what I really want in the predominant open source file sync solution is something that's just all it is is file sync. I don't. I like Nextcloud. I use Nextcloud, and I'm glad it has sync capabilities. But I also just need something that's just nothing but file sync. Something I can distribute amongst audience members. Something I can distribute amongst Jupiter Broadcasting production I, members. I don't need it to be integrated with an entire uh, cloud suite I, of I applications. I completely agree with you. I completely agree with you. There's just one major thing missing from a lot of those sync applications, and that is I need it to be username, password, authentication based. None of this token crap. I need to be able to get sit down at any box with nothing else I have and be able to just from my mind access my data. That's that's without that, it's useless to me. I have to have that. Yeah, and for some stuff, I'm really thankful in a pinch to have a web login. So there's definitely a role for Nextcloud doesn't in this be, setup. Doesn't have to be web. I'm fine with the client. I just I need to be able. It has to be username, password. Yeah, I I have. There's been occasions where I'm like, well, I'm really thankful to have a Dropbox login to be able to get this file yeah, on this right. computer over here. So I yeah. I mean I will always probably have a place for Nextcloud. But then there's also like I have gigs and gigs and gigs of lots of little files that I want to sync and distribute around the world. And I don't need mm -hmm. anything else but just the ability to move files between file systems. And so I really hope mm -hmm. by the end of 2017 we've landed on one that – like when we're having this conversation on this show or we're having this conversation on Linux Unplugged, it's just obvious what the majority of people are using. There's still lots of options out there. There's tons of – yeah, mm -hmm. there's still people that are going to say rsync. It's still going to happen. But there's like one predominant solution that we all generally use. Sort of like Telegram has sort of become – there's Signal, right? There's WhatsApp. And there's IRC yeah. and Slack, but there is a there is a predominantly amongst the Linux community, a lot of us are using Telegram. Not everybody, right. but a lot of people. And and we're normal. Yeah, right. Yeah, and it'll it'll kind of be it'll kind of be like that. I hope only for file sync. So that's my prediction, and sort of also slash wish, and that's my that's my last prediction. Do you want to put these in the show notes, or do you think we should make people? Watch? Yeah, yeah. I just the only reason I didn't put them in there gotta before be a secret. is yeah. it's more fun yeah. to read. Yeah, exactly. Well, I don't know but if yeah, it is. Actually, I don't know right if now. it is a good idea to put in the show notes. Maybe we should keep it a big surprise. Oh, really? I don't know. Let's talk about it. We'll talk well, about it after the there. segment. Okay, all right. Yeah. So there's some good ones, but then people could read this and think they know all everything. They know it all. No, they think they know it all. Yeah. yeah. Although, you know what? I'll tell yeah. you this. I'll tell you this. It's much you don't. harder. It's much harder for me if we don't put it in there. 
so one of the things I wanted to ask the audience is, do you like it when we go back and play our previous predictions from last year? Because traditionally we've done that in this episode. Uh, and I would have cut the news and I would have put them in the news. So I would have played what predictions we got right and what predictions we got wrong. But then it dawned on me that it's a podcast that's always available for download. And if people cared, they could just go listen to the past episode and I don't need to go right. do that. So I would genuinely like to know, should we do that? Because we could, we could do a dedicated episode where we own up to our past predictions. So leave a comment either on the subreddit or on YouTube or send us an email wherever, you, if that works better for you. You can do the contact page or just a comment on YouTube or the subreddit, linuxaction.reddit.com. Should we do that? So here's – Here's my question to the audience is – and <laughs> it doesn't really matter because like eventually I have to get Chris to approve this anyway. But would you guys rather have – because I think it would be more fun rather than do a predictions episode to do a wish episode. Yeah, I'd like to do year. that too actually. That could be fun. Like really – because if you think about it, like I can kind of predict. But a lot of times it's depressing. Like when I, when I sat down to do predictions, I, it was Friday, Thursday, Friday when I think we – or Friday I guess it was. When I sat down to start thinking about it, I'm like, oh, that's going to probably happen in 2017. It's like it's like the things I've been dreading yeah. but I know they're going to happen. So it's like yeah. a good prediction. So then to change it, I'm like, well, this – is might happen, but then it's not really a prediction. It's more of like a wish thing. So yeah, yeah, wishes would be fun too. I, we could always still do that. We could always still do that too. Let's talk about it more. We'll talk about it more and leave us a comment. Let us know what you think about wish episodes. And if you would like us to do an episode where we play our previous predictions and own up to either fails or successes. But in the meantime, that's all you need to know for 2017. And that brings us to the end of this week's broadcast. Before we go, we got some emails to read, and I want to thank System76 for sponsoring this segment. Go to system76.com and get yourself a machine built for Linux, powered by Ubuntu, supported by a company committed to Linux. You don't have to fight with hardware. You just get to play with your Linux and get a machine that out of the box just works great with just about every damn distro out there. The Meerkat. We don't mention the Meerkat that often, that tiny little itsy-bitsy PC. And, of course, they have a bunch of systems with the NVIDIA GTX 10 series cards if you want. Dedicated graphics like the Oryx Pro. Tons of folks in the audience like the Oryx Pro. But also a lot of people in the audience seem to be buying the <clears throat> the Mur, the Limer. If we're going to call it the Limer, or shouldn't we call it the Meerkat as well? That is ridiculous. No. <laughs> so check them out at system76.com. They also have swag for sale, like a bag, which looks pretty, pretty badical, actually. Look at that thing. Oh, look at that backpack. If you, oh, man. Check them out, system76.com. In the little checkout area, tell them the Linux Action Show sent you, or tell them Noah switched you to Linux, something like that. That way they know. That way they know that you came from here. You know, that looks like it's near their office where they where that picture was taken, doesn't it? Yeah. That, they live, yeah, I think so. They live uh, you in know, such if a you notice, area. Like, all of their, it's, it's funny, like, all of their, once you visit System76, then it's kind of funny because, like, all of their promotional photos on, like, Staff, if you look like them. a little animation that used to play, <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, exactly, is, is Carl and, and Luisa, yeah. like, sitting at, like, a coffee shop or whatever. It's yeah, really that one cool, right yeah. there, yeah. Yeah, there, yeah, there you go, yeah. Yep. It's they did a really good job, really good job. All right, so uh, did we just decide you were going to read the first email right before we started? I believe yeah. we did. Go so ahead. Frodo Wiz writes it, and he says, <clears throat> "I tried this out a few times throughout the year, and I was happy with it until I found out it never supported ZFS." By the way, he's talking about uh, Solus. 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 Solus OS has some bells and whistles uh, as far as Steam goes, except for data integrity. Simple question. Um, 
do you expect me to amass 500 gigs of games over a cell phone connection? Trust data won't get hit with BitRotter on some other file system other than ZFS. Want to re-download 10 of them over a cell connection? I didn't think so. Uh, wow. I've had a, done a great I've done a great I know done a great job with solo S, but leave fall short with ZFS, kind of like building a car by hand and equipping with bicycle tires. You can drive on the roads, but maybe under circumstances handicapped. So I, I thought this was kind of funny for for a couple of reasons. One is um so this concept that ZFS is the only file system that you can use reliably is utter nonsense. Like there are plenty of other file systems. I use ext4 and I've never had a problem with like I've Bit never Noah. had Bit a problem with it. is real, Noah. Yeah. You're going to suffer yes, from it. Sure. Right. Yeah, I so suppose it could if, be. If, 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 on the, if hard drive fails, I guess I'm hosed. But really, again, you know, if you're you have a Solus box, this is I mean, we're not talking I mean, this is not we're not talking about running your server on it. This is your your laptop or your yeah. desktop or whatever that you you can and you should really have, you know, a second drive, right. or, you know, and you really NAS. should have a backup solution if you're really that yeah. you know worried about but it. But ZFS uh, on the NAS, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, also XFS is a great file system. ButterFS would be fine in many circumstances for something like this. I mean, the thing is, is I would say bitrot is something to consider, but I would be ten times more focused on my backup strategy. If I were backups and yeah, the other thing is too is like we've we've totally like right over like user experience. You know, there's some really cool things about Solus, which is kind of why we highlighted it. I wouldn't be and too surprised if CFS doesn't end up on there someday. So there you go. Yeah, probably. All right. Probably. Well, Jason writes in uh, saying getting Linux into a carrier or a career. I'm not sure because it's too damn small on my screen. Hold on one second. Let me magnify. He says here, uh, I have uh, I have been listening to several of the shows that Jupiter Broadcasting has, and I religiously tune into Last and Linux Unplugged every single week. Awesome, Jason. Thank you. He said, uh, would studying with Linux Academy and getting my uh, RHCA and RHCE be enough to get a job in a, and a job that would make a decent wage? I know there's a catch-22 of certs that can be worthless without any experience at all. However, if I'm correct, the Red Hat CA and the Red Hat Certified Engineer are performance-based exams. Wouldn't that be enough to maybe at least get my foot in the door? I've taken several Linux, Windows, and Cisco courses back in 2005 and 2006. However, I know a lot has changed since then. Any advice would be greatly appreciated. Thank you for everything you guys do at Jupiter Broadcasting, and I wish you a belated Happy New Year. Well, Happy New Year to you too, Jason. Noah, you got any thoughts on this guy? Yeah, so uh, I would get certs if a given if you if you have like I would look out and see what's available in the job market. You find something that is interesting to you or that you place you want to work for, and they say you know these are the requirements we require you to have these certifications. Then I would get them. The if you can pass the Red Hat test alone, like the RH, uh, you know, the, if you can get the certified administrator with just taking the test, that's only like I think three hundred bucks. But if you got to go take the course, you know, or something like that, you want you want somebody to 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 teach it to you, then you're probably looking at a couple grand. I wouldn't spend that kind of money unless you have unless you have something lined up that you can get a return on. Of course, you can always do that at Linux Academy. That's how I did uh, my Red Hat Six certification. As far as actually getting into a job, career building, getting into jobs, getting a job is all about who you know. It's this idea that you're going to go online and apply for 15 jobs and get one is utter nonsense. It's not going to happen. You got to know somebody in in the field, or you look at who you know, look at who your connections are. Go to some Linux fest. There was a guy at Self last year 
showed up at self and uh or it's the year before i'm sorry the year before itself was at self and ended up getting a job by talking to one of the guys that was there and and uh he's yeah. actually it's um it's jason in the uh in the uh linux unplugged uh, he, he's there every once in a while um he got a job at self just from networking with people i would say a lot of people like well i know it's always who you know but i don't know anybody right now that can get me a job well, then you do have to start somewhere, and and fests and conventions are one place to start. But it's also not ridiculous mm -hmm. to assume that starting the process of education, meeting people in class, meeting people through that process might lead to something too. Sure. Just getting started, Jason, would be good. So mm -hmm. I'd say yes. Now, that all being said, um, I don't know if I would hire somebody without any experience. So if you could even pick up a few side gigs here and there or something like that, just be on the lookout for things to just start building out the resume while you're doing this. Mm -hmm. That would also be a very good thing. Uh, if you have a question for us, jupiterbroadcasting.com slash contact, or you can leave us a comment at linuxactionshow.reddit.com. This show is live on Sundays. You can do uh, that uh, over at jblive.tv. I call it the Sunday service. Linux Action Show, Sunday morning. Just make it part of your constitutional weekly visit, jblive.tv. Get it converted to your local time at jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar. Your weekly constitutional, Noah. Where can people find you throughout the week? Not on the toilet. Uh, at Kernalytics on Twitter. At AltaSpeed is our company site. At JupiterSignal is the Jupiter Broadcasting right. Twitter handle. And at Chris Elias is that guy over there. Hey, good job. That's He's all true. That is all, yeah. all very true. And you can grab RSS feeds for this show over at our website and get it every single week. You can also subscribe on YouTube at youtube.com slash Jupiter Broadcasting. And last but not least, you can download individual episodes and find links to all the stuff we talked about today over at jupiterbroadcasting.com. Okay, everybody, thanks so much for tuning this week's episode of the Linux Action Show. And we'll see you right back here next week. Oh, I already really hate it. Oh, really? Why? Well, first of all, look at the UI. I mean, I'm not, it looks like a file manager in column. I mean, I'm not even sure what's going on right now with this thing. I see something about my clipboard down here. I see something yeah, about MIDI. Clipboard. That's your MIDI <coughs> stuff? For, and I see like know, there's a whole bunch of shit it wants me to do over here, and I just want to get editing. Yeah. So you probably just uh, create a project, maybe? <sighs> Set up awesome. progress, 11%. Oh, boy. <laughs> I'm, I'm digging these fonts right here in these uh, input and output boxes. <laughs> Woo! That is a... Uh, that's an app. So that is. It. <laughs> 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 Your intonation says more than you ever could. <laughs> I just don't even I don't even know what to say to this. Oh, let's go check out the plugins. Okay. There's nothing in here. Okay. What's the matter, Noah? You're not sleeping very good? Well No, here's the problem. The problem is when you spend the first two hours just trying to get the computer online, it's like, oh man. Well, uh, it looks pretty cool. It looks like once you get it set up, it looks pretty cool. But, uh, whew, that initial impression is rough, man. That's just, that's just... I want something I look like, I want something I can look at and just start editing. I want us to just start working. Once you get it set up, that's probably... I think it might be better if I was doing music, you know? Yeah, maybe. Hey, Beard, will you put... Hey, is Beard listening? I'm sure. Put this in I the like text. the way they have like 
I, I like the way that the like the um like the the tracks they like look like they glow or something. I don't know. Just kind of a you cool mean like Final Cut? Thing. Yeah, it's nice. What? What's what? Final Cut? What? I'm not sure. That's some sort. Yeah. Never used it. Couldn't tell you. Uh, but I like the way that looks on Linux though. And then I uh, sure. we gotta talk about uh, we gotta talk about Thunderbird though. I mean, it wasn't the it, no, 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 no. You don't get. Here's the thing. You I can't, sat you, on this for you like. Can't. Two months. No, you no. can't, dude. I mean, first of all, we did we did we did a mail client last week, and I felt like okay. No, you. I sat on this for like two months when I found what? out that we didn't do, and I was like so upset about it. And then Rakai's like, I was mad. I was like, we should do Thunderbird. Why have we done? And then, but dude, Rikai's like doing like, Thunderbirds do. like picking Vim, dude. Huge lecture. Huge lecture from Rakai about like haptics are supposed to be something that draws attention to something people might not have heard about. It's not supposed to be a staple of the open source industry. And so I was like, all right, fine, fine, we won't do it. And then and then and then you did handbrake. And I'm like, oh, if we can do handbrake, we can do thunderbird. I disagree. I disagree. I just don't first of all, first of all, I mean like Thunderbird dude is like, here's what the problem is, is I'm worried like after handbrake, mm -hmm. it's like mm -hmm. people are gonna think we're not even trying for the picks anymore. They're gonna think we've given up on the picks. That's like picking Vim, dude. It's like picking Vim. Have we done Vim? It's oh, hipsters, because I'm a hipster, first of all. Who I'm a Linux hipster that uh, uh, doesn't doesn't like to use Thunderbird. I've used Thunderbird for years. It's just you know, come on. It's it's old. It's 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 no good anymore. Come on. Let's, it's let's amazing. It's still fine. It's, it's just everybody knows about it. We're not gonna inform a single person about Thunderbird. That's the That's thing. Not true. That's not true. There's oh, somebody out there that's like, I really need to You're drunk with Thunderbird and love right now. That's what you are. You are drunk with Thunderbird love. I, I am. And the thing is, like, Mozilla uh, Firefox, Thunderbird, the terminal, Telegram, those are my four staples. Like, I, I hey, uh, hold on. No, I gotta, I gotta dial up and uh, go download my POP3 email to my Thunderbird. Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, what's with the, uh, what's, uh, what's with the epic aspect ratio? Well, here's the situation, Chris. I feel like we're back in 2015. All of a we sudden. are back in uh, yeah. So, uh, so here's the situation. Got this laptop here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It has uh, dedicated NVIDIA there graphics. Sure, sure. And the gamble is uh -huh. I could install and enable right. the uh, the real graphics driver, sure, sure, sure. and uh, that would probably fix our aspect ratio. But there is a reasonable chance that the computer just won't boot after that. Why is it's that? Kind of miss. Why wouldn't know. Why just, wouldn't it boot? I don't know. I don't know. Just sometimes the sometimes when I install the Nvidia graphics card, it just it refuses to boot. Are you it's a great problem? Are, are you serious right now? I'm dead serious. Is this uh? Yeah. yeah. Is this uh? Is this Ubuntu? Yeah. Yes. And you're telling me you can't install the Nvidia driver? Yeah, and it gets better. If I try to install Antargos, it uh, it doesn't even get past the 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 boot screen. It goes into like it shows a little Antargos logo. Okay, all right. Okay, so that's so this Good. this leads me to my next question. Oh boy, why is this the spare machine you? That, why is this uh, why is this the machine used for broadcasting? What happened? It's not. Noah? It's not. It's not, dude. It's Tell not. us what happened. Tell us what happened, Noah. So. <clears throat> Got into the studio this morning. Well, yeah. first, here, hold on a second. Let me send you some pictures. This has been a great day. How it's cold does your really studio really get at night? Is it like, is it just like crazy cold there? I mean, no, no. I mean, there's the, there's a heater. This, it has been, it has been a fantastic day. So first, the first thing I noticed uh -huh. yeah. was the, uh, there was the whole wall on the inside of the building is pushed in. What? What do you mean? The yeah, what, what, what do you mean? Yeah, the, 
Yeah. So the I noticed, like, I'm standing there, and I'm like, what the heck happened? So I'm like, okay, all right, the wall got pushed in. That's interesting. So I go outside to look, that's, and... That's alarming like, is what that is. The outside of the wall has been, like, just decimated. So I call our snow guys, and I'm like, hey, guys, y'all hit the side of the building when you're blowing when you're moving snow last night because half the wall's gone. And the guy's like, oh, no, no, we didn't do anything. I'm like, all right. So I'm like, whatever. Oh, wow. So we found a police report and all that. And then the guy from the snow company calls me back and he's like, yeah, I did some investigating. It turns out, yeah, actually, we did hit the side of the building. And I'm like, okay, well, uh, <laughs> I gotta go on air now, so uh, we'll deal with this later. And I come up here and the computer's off, which is weird because I usually just leave it running. In fact, I usually can leave it connected to Jitsi, so all I have to do is hit F5. Yeah. And it's off. And so I go to turn it on and it doesn't turn on. And so I do as much troubleshooting as I can with it in the rack, and then I decide I have to take it out of the rack, so now it's sitting on the floor in front of me, and I think the power supply is dead in it. And uh, then I had to drive back to my house to go get my laptop, a different laptop, so I have a lap... <laughs> just... Whew. Quit All screwing right. around. Okay, sorry, jeez. Hey, it's the news, and this episode of the news is brought to you by... Ting, I'm not sure. <laughs> okay, do it again one more time. Last.ting.com. No, no, it's last. It's not this episode of the news. That just doesn't sound right. Yeah, so okay, it's like, right, don't fine. don't say that because that doesn't. That's not. That what do I usually say? That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> okay, what do I usually say? This ep- oh, this. Hey, episode, it's the news, say. and this episode is okay, brought to right. you by. I, I know. I know. I know. I was just saying, if you're paying attention. 